Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. My guest is Valerie Koo, author, journalist, and founder of the Australian Writers' Centre. This interview was originally recorded as a live radio segment, hence the listener involvement that pops up from time to time. So look, Valerie, there's so many things that we that we can talk about and topics that we'll go into, but I thought, just given the breadth of your experience, what I thought we might do is just look a little bit at this whole topic of business awards. Now, um, to be fully transparent, I should tell everyone that um, one of the awards that Valerie runs, or I think it's the only award that you run, is the uh, Best Australian Blog. Is that the correct title? That's right. The Best yes. Australian Blog Awards, which oh. is a, a national competition for the Best Australian Blog. Okay. And you break it down into categories, and the, the piece where I need to be um, totally clear is that I am your judge for the business section. So I've, it's interesting for me to be, you know, and I've sat on a judging panel of a, of a few awards, and you know, I really admire the way that you run yours, the efficient way that you run yours. Um, what do you, what led you to, what, what was the kind of the business case for you starting that for you personally and what are your observations now having run it for a few years I think that uh, I'm really passionate about the blogosphere and about blogging because I've been blogging since you know 2007 so quite probably even 2006 so quite a long while mm. and what I noticed was that bloggers are really getting um, a lot of attention and a lot of profile because they've got a lot of really good things to say not every blogger mind you but um, there are many um, regular people out there who are great writers who are really experts in their area who are very insightful about and, and offer really useful opinions and often well-researched opinions uh, because they are experts in, in their particular area. Mm. I think that um, uh, even though I'm a journalist myself and I have a great respect for journalism, often when you are a journalist, you are required to be a jack-of-all-trades. You're required to be a generalist and you, are, you have great skills in distilling information from experts, but you don't necessarily always have the time to become the expert yourself. Yep. So the blogosphere has allowed people who are truly experts in their area to have a voice and some of them are doing fantastic things with their blogs and some of them are gaining an incredible profile. Mm. Now, as the Australian Writers' Centre, we celebrate all things writing and obviously yep. blogging is effectively writing. So we wanted to recognise some of the great writing out there and acknowledge the people who are effectively creating their own platform and in some cases creating their own media channel and becoming very powerful and influential voices in the industry. So it was it was recognising that the blogosphere has come of age and wanting to celebrate, to be honest, the writing in that area because sure. even though we are the Best Australian Blog Awards, we are heavily weighted to recognising the writing on blogs. Of course, and I guess, you know, we clearly there's... there's very uh, worthwhile benefit for those people that are entering the wars. There's also a good, strong case for your business, for the uh, Australian Writers Centre, to be the people that that host the awards, because again, it it links your brand uh, very widely with a with a topic that's going to be blogged about, talked about. It's it's a good, it's a smart move from your business side as well, isn't it? 
That's right. So it also, and we make no um, bones about it, it also extends our reach to so many people in the blogosphere because I think blogs, because of the nature of the conversation and commenting, it's kind of like word of mouth on steroids. Mm. So if you get mentioned on certain people's blogs or if you mention that you've entered the blog competition or that you're um, participating in some way, that certainly is an indirect promotion of the Australian Writers' Centre. I think one of the, the most exciting things for me now that we're in our third year is that people, countless people, will say to me, yours is the, you know, the Australian Writers' Centre Best Australian Blog Competition is the most prestigious um, blog competition in the country because it is so weighted on the actual writing and the content and because it's not weighted on, you know, necessarily uh, popularity or Mm. number of uh, visitors or your traffic or anything like that. We do have a People's Choice Award. One of the awards is that, but the rest of the awards are all, um, you know, judged by independent judges. Mm. And and again, I think that's, um, it's very laudable the way you do that because as you say, it's, you're, the focus for your awards is very much on content, you know, and I've seen the obviously the um, criteria, and I'm following that in my sort of judging process. But the focus is on content, isn't it? It's not, it's not on how, as you say, on how many people you reach. And often when you have these sort of people's awards things, you you, you know you can tell when someone's trying to get votes there because they start hammering it through all their social networks. But again, I think the way that you run yours is um, is just is very balanced and very efficient. Now. It's Tell me if I can. How many? You've won a number of awards yourself. Can you can you remember which ones you've won? Just share the just share the awards that you've won. I guess a couple of them have been. Uh, we were named one of the. We were named by Dell as one of the ten most innovative small businesses in Australia. So that was a wonderful honour. Mm-hmm. Um, we won the um, micro business category of the Telstra Business Award as well, and that was very, very exciting. Um, in the past, we've won a number of other awards and acknowledgements and, um, you know, small business championship awards and uh, a number of other awards, but they're, they're, they're certainly just a couple. Okay. In, in other words, you've forgotten you've got so many. That's what you're saying, isn't it? <laughs> I can tell. Now, just a reminder to listeners, uh, any questions whatsoever for Valerie, any comments, please send them to radio at flyingsolo.com.au. Now, um, so, Valerie, what I'm, I'm assuming, and maybe this is a, a wrong assumption, but the fact that you went through those awards yourself and some of them quite early on in your um, sort of business career, what uh, I'm assuming that your experiences there kind of planted a seed that, okay, we need to do this sometime. We need to have some awards at some point. What did you experience um, in terms of benefit by winning these awards? You know, how did it, and I'm not looking for sort of just, obviously it would have, would have helped your profile, but in, in any, any, does it permeate in any other kind of deeper way that you can say, okay, what I got from this award was X, Y, Z. What's it done for you? Sure. I guess there are a couple of things. Number one, when you actually enter award an, an award, usually you have some kind of submission process. And interestingly, for most awards, that is a period, a real period of self-reflection. Mm. It's a real period that you have to think about your business and articulate, you know, often your goals, uh, your your achievements so far, your challenges. You really need to take a good hard look. In some cases, they want to see your financials, not all cases. 
factors, but um, it is a period of self-reflection that really makes you, in some in some cases, plan the next few years of your business. So it's valuable exercise purely on that front. Um, the other thing is, as you mentioned, the profile. Uh, when you do become a finalist, and certainly when you win uh, an award, it, it, you end up with media coverage. You end up being able to say that you uh, are a finalist or a winner, and that certainly opens doors yeah. and adds some cachet. Um, one unexpected uh, benefit that I didn't really even think of, the profile stuff is very obvious, mm. but one unexpected benefit was after, certainly after we won the Telstra Business Awards, the, we became so much more attractive as an employer. People were approaching me just wanting to work for us. <laughs> So that was that was that was a, you know an interesting benefit, and that's really useful when you want to attract uh, really good quality people. Mm. Um, and I guess just just pausing there for a second, even for those listening who maybe don't employ staff and and may not have that as an intention, what the, the knock on effect there, I guess, is that also your quality of suppliers, people that you work with, contractors, equally the standard or the, the appeal to them of your business would would heighten also. That's right. It's an instant stamp Mm. that you are credible and, you know, because you've been recognised in that way by a prestigious award. I think also, and, and, you know, from a personal level, one of the early awards that um, we won uh, was called the Women Who Dare Awards run by a national magazine. And um, the one of the the, the prize, we won the national prize, and the prize was, um, among other things, one of the prizes was 17000 Dollars worth of spending at Target, and that was an that was an interesting one, you know, because I could not think of how I could spend seventeen thousand um, dollars, well, in one store. No, so I think you probably we, empty the place for seventeen thousand yeah. dollars. The price of some of their things. But what we did was we knew of a container that was going to Cambodia to for to support an orphanage. So we gave the seventeen thousand dollars to that orphanage in Cambodia. And if the difference that it could make into the lives of those children to actually sleep on beds for the first time ever, um, to have, you know, decent linen and, you know, clothes and, you know, all that kind of thing was, was just, um, was wonderful. So the awards can also have other benefits that you couldn't have possibly have thought of. Fantastic. Fantastic. And that's, that's such a, a lovely story. And I remember reading about that on your uh, LinkedIn profile, I think. So on behalf of all the people in Cambodia, thank you. That was hugely generous and and serious uh, and clearly a, a very very good good thing for you to do. So we also got we also got a thousand dollars worth of makeup, but I kept that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so the I know with the Telstra Awards that you mentioned, I mean the going just going back to your sort of starting point that the discipline that um, is necessary when you enter some of these awards, not all of them, some awards, um, you know, won't name any names, but some awards are ever so slightly light. But um, most of them, a lot of them, and particularly that I know that tells the process of the Telstra one, um, it, it's, it goes through in great depth in, in your current position in your business, the, your future plans. And as you say, that is such a good discipline, isn't it? I mean, what would you, it, to, a, to a business listening to this who can see an award but maybe is thinking, oh, not quite sure if I, if I deserve that or not quite sure that I'm ready for that, what would you say to that business? Would you say, well, go ahead and do it anyway? It's a good discipline. Is it, is it that effective to go through the process? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
to go and do it because the, if the payoff is absolutely worth it. Mm. Because, so even though, and it makes you think, you, you not only have to fill in sometimes a rigorous process, you sometimes get interviewed by one or two people. And those questions certainly make you think about your business mm. and not only in terms of the direction of your business, but how you're telling the story of your business. So it's great practice for how you then tell your stories to your customers or to your staff or to potential strategic partners that you want to work with. Mm. There is nothing but upside in uh, in entering an award. I will admit it can uh, be time-consuming, but you know what? It's, it's worth it. Yes, and as you say, it's time working on your business in, on, in an area that's going to be beneficial. And I think that I guess you know what, what can be a very good thing, and I've worked with, you know, spoken with a few people on this basis, is to say, okay, what about let's make a goal that in 2014 I'm going to enter XYZ Business Award and just put it on your radar, put it out there, share it maybe with your community and with your followers and your friends and your fans and say, I'm going to do it. Once you kind of put a line in the sand, then I think it can really help to sort of drive you, as you say, to to um, to put in a good submission and to just start thinking about your business in terms of, um, you know, wh- whether you can get it into the shape that it needs to be to, to win an award. So a couple of questions coming. In fact, this is from uh, Jody, which Jody, our editor, which was up there in the sunny Blue Mountains. Um, and this is interesting. Well, we sort of covered it a little bit, but what her question is, what makes you stand out in a sea of similar applications? So let's imagine there are a whole lot of people applying. We can use the example of your blog awards or, or any that you've entered. What what helps people stand out? I mean, is it is it just doing some sparky, shiny PDF? Um, is it social proof? Is it um, the judges' opinions? Is it social? Net? What what for you as a as sitting on the side of someone who looks at all these entries and that's been through the process uniquely what makes something stand out for you in my opinion a scalable business so if you can show how you're you have the systems in place to you know not be tied to your business not be the only one in your business that you can potentially take some time off and the business will run itself that's a true business so I think that the things that you can show even if you haven't reached that level yet but that you've got some steps or strategies in place uh, or, or and a succession plan then all of those um, systems I think underpin a successful business uh, so I don't think it's got to do with the fancy PDF or or any of those things I think it's being able to clearly articulate that you can grow mm. and you have the systems in place or a putting the system in place to scale. Yeah, and I guess that that's very much your your opinion and looking at it from um, the side of, of your business. And clearly, you've got a business where that's a focus for you, where you're expanding into other cities and territories. So, But for somebody, let's imagine, who's who's perhaps entering the blog awards and maybe their, their role, their purpose, their goal is purely to be the world's finest blogger on a particular topic and have that support their sort of one-person business. How would you view that then? Because there you may not perhaps yes. put quite so much focus on scalability. Of course. What would you look so for we- in that sort of application? So in 
something, whether you're entering the Blog Awards or something else, the number one thing to find out is what's the criteria? What is it going to be weighted to? Obviously, with the Blog Awards, it's weighted to the content and the writing. Mm. It's not weighted to how pretty your blog is or, or how much traffic you get. So find out the, the, what it's weighted to and highlight that and make sure that certainly during the judging process, you're doing all of those things. Mm. That's a great point. Interesting, I was involved um, in, in a judging of a final award, finals award this just this week, and I won't I won't name the brand involved on that one, but it's quite a quite a big award, and it was so interesting to see um, right at the very close how many businesses actually had not read through what was actually required. And it was it was so sort of soul destroying. You'll see someone who's clearly spent a lot of time putting something together, um, but is so sort of overflowing with the the passion and the excitement of a business, but actually hasn't read what the the, the key criteria are, the basis upon which the award will be made. And you can't expect, can you, that for a, a panel of judges to just kind of let that thing go by because there's a you know, a lot of thought goes into planning these awards. So if someone Somebody just fails to um, address one of the areas, and that's a that's a real black mark straight away. Do you see much of that happening? Do you see award entries coming in, and you think, oh, you know, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, well, with the blog awards, what you see is what you get in the sense that it's all there on their blog. Uh, so you, we can tell whether they've got good content. We can tell whether they've got good writing very, very quickly. However, in regular business awards, I am shocked by the number of people who tell me that they get their intern or their work experience girl or the most junior person on the team to create their awards entry. Mm. It's, that's just nuts to me. And, and, and often they submit, you know, something that's close to a version of that and they only fix the typos and stuff, but they don't actually they haven't actually taken the time to to do exactly what you just said, to look at the criteria and see where, what should be emphasised. Don't let your intern write your submissions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's getting passionate there. Yeah, oh, look, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it, again, it goes back to that whole thing of if you're going to put the time into enter these awards, do it properly. Do it seriously. Think about it and make and, and you know take full use of the opportunity that's there for you. Another question come in from um, fell from Byron Bay. Um, that's a good one. Is it as thrilling now to win an award as it was the first time you got one? And do you still enter awards? Oh, okay. <sighs> It is just as thrilling, but I will admit that in the last year, I took a break out of entering awards because I really needed to focus on the growth and expansion of the Australian Writers' Centre. And as I've mentioned, it does take some time to do the award submission properly. And when you do it properly, you, you get somewhere, and that's obviously the, the, the main goal. As you said, do it properly. So I might revisit it in 2014, but I certainly took a break over the last okay. year. So 2014 is a might, not a definite. So you're giving yourself a little bit of time off by the sounds of it. Yes. Yeah. And tell me, to, to this day, do you still, when you're um, submitting perhaps a proposal to somebody or replying to somebody, whether it's an email, or, do you show all your awards on there? Do you still do you use them in your email signature and so on? And- not always. Not always. Um, I, I, I 
always because sometimes okay. it's not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. It depends on who you're communicating with and if it's going to add value to that conversation. So no, I don't. I don't. Um, you know, brag about my awards to all and sundry, but I do drop them in from time to time when sure. I feel it might be useful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's and they're very valuable tools to have in your sort of marketing and uh, credibility building toolbox, aren't they? And, and with devices like LinkedIn and your about page on your website and so on it's uh, these are the places to to be putting that sort of thing i'm guessing um now another question here from denise is it worth entering even if your business isn't ready so i guess the question really is i know i'm not going to win it should i bother I think what's worth doing is getting the submission form and filling it in purely as an exercise for yourself, that exercise of self-reflection, because you might actually find that it helps you get ready. Mm. And you may end up deciding not to officially enter, but get that submission form so that you can see the kinds of questions that you need to be thinking about and answering. Okay, that's a good tip. And interesting, I've, what I've observed with um, with with your blog awards and with a couple of other awards I've been involved in is you do get people who enter kind of not exactly year after year, but enter more than once. What's your what's your thinking around that? You mean enter? Um, I mean, enter maybe years? in two thousand and eleven, and they enter again in two thousand and twelve, and again in two- right. Do you yes, think that's I a good strategy? I think it's fine because in some cases, what I've been surprised at is the level of improvement in a year. Mm. So good on them for wanting to acknowledge that. Sometimes they haven't improved in a year and, you know, then they don't make the cut kind of thing. Mm. But um, when, if some businesses can actually grow so much in a year, I know some people who won the Telstra Business Award in the micro business category one year and then go on to win in the next category the next year because their business has grown. Mm. So um, I don't have a problem with that. No, I, cannot, I don't imagine you do. And I think I, I would, yeah, my observation of that would be, it, I think it's a good sign of persistence if a, if a business enters more than once, um, particularly if it's an award that you know is kind of there for the long haul. It's not just a, a kind of one-off award. Then I think it's a good discipline. And even if you're not ready, maybe the first time you enter, you can, you can even say, look, hey, I'm not ready. I'm doing this because it's good discipline for me and I want to win it next year. You know, it still gets seen by people. And I think it's, um, uh, as you say, businesses can change an awful lot in, in 12 months, particularly in, in this kind of current environment now here's another question uh from sam how do you know (laughs) tricky one how do you know if it's a genuine award and not a money spinner for the organizer there you go well i don't know how you'd answer that one but how do you how do you know if it's a genuine award i guess it's, it's kind of doing your due diligence isn't it doing some background checks yeah, and I think that is pretty obvious. Mm, yeah. <laughs> if they're asking you to pay at every single turn, you know, have a think about that. Maybe mm. that's a little bit of an alert. Yeah. But I think that the prestigious business awards are pretty obvious in this country. Mm. Yes, I would say that's true. I think that's that's a very good point. Okay, so look on the award side, um, let's just kind of move away from there for a moment, if we can. Let's have a if if, if you're okay, if you carry on okay to carry on talking with me a little bit longer with us a little bit longer. Good, good. So now on your business, you are you're certainly not a, a soloist now. How many people are involved in your business altogether? We have six full time, and we're about to put on our seventh. 
and we probably have about 40 or so teachers who are not full-time, but they teach their particular course when, when, their, course, when their course is scheduled. Okay, so those are writers that are teaching their courses. That's right. Yeah, okay. So... Because it's interesting, you know, we, we uh, through this radio show and through um, other sort of areas within the community at Flying Solo, we come across um, a number of people who are saying, okay, well, look, I have this skill. This is what I do, but I can't work out how I can make this bigger, larger, make this business kind of larger than me. And a number of those people, I spoke to a number of writers. We had a, um, a writer joined us last week. I think I'm right. Yes, of course we did. It was Peter Crocker joined us last week. Um, and we were part of the discussion there was how do you grow a writing business? And for a lot of writers, and we, we must well use writers as, as it is your, you know, the, the core of your business, it's they fall over at the first step often thinking, well, I can't replicate me. I can't repl- I can't get someone to do what I do the way that I do it. Now, what was your sort of journey there? Because you clearly have, but you've done it in a very different way. You haven't just said, okay, I'm going to go out and win more writing gigs and I'm going to subcontract it to other writers. You've built a very different model. So if you can wind your mind back to when you first set up the Writers' Centre, what was your thinking there? How did you arrive at that as your kind of model to, to develop? Sure. Okay. So in the first instance, when I was thinking, how could I become more efficient, more productive, and quite frankly, make more money as a writer, I needed to, I, I, there was only myself. I was, it was dollars for hours. And so there was kind of a limit because by the number of hours there are in the day. So one of the things I did very early on um, was become much more efficient. Writers often don't think that there is necessarily a system, but what I did was I applied business systems to the way I wrote and so I was able to uh, write a lot more and still maintain the quality than I did pre- before I had the systems. Mm-hmm. So that was step one. So Can I you just give me an example of a system for not just for writers, but yep. you know, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, what, what would that system be? Just, just if you would just fill in the gap, what, what sort of system? Sure. So for example, when I need, as a journalist, if I need to interview somebody for a story, r- you know, rather than um, uh, just sort of start talking very generally and having a meandering conversation, I will email them with a the time. I will tell them the number of minutes <laughs> that it's likely to take and I will actually outline dot point, dot point, dot point, dot point and I want these things covered. And even though it's tempting as a writer, as a journalist when you're interviewing somebody, because you interview really interesting people, to wander off the track and, you know, to talk about a shared interest or whatever if you're talking to someone particularly fascinating, it, you've got to be ruthless. You stick to what you need to find out and if you happen to have extra time left over then go and chat about the football or whatever it is you want to talk about Mm -hmm. so it's being ruthless with your time and having a structure so I I, I took that structure and and framework and applied it to 95% of the people I interviewed and things just it just happened really quickly then Mm -hmm. and um, and they were really appreciative of the fact that it was an efficient conversation Absolutely. I, I think people are, I think our, our clients, our customers, the people we come into contact benefit massively from us having a tight structure, don't they? It, it, and it's, it's very attractive for our business when we do it. It's, um, That's right. And they know that you're not going to take up a lot of their time, so they're happy to help you again, which is yeah. great. So then you end up with a really great contact. So then after that, to be honest, um, what happened was, 
that year that we won the award with the $17,000 worth of target spending mm-hmm. um, and that we donated to the orphanage, I spent a lot of time actually helping, getting to know that orphanage and helping that orphanage and doing a lot of fundraising activities. And I, I threw myself into it because I was really passionate about about helping these these children who, you know, didn't have a hope, to be honest. Yeah. And um, I spent uh, what, it was a, such a big learning lesson for me because what I discovered from that was, you know how they tell you on the airplane to put the, the oxygen on yourself first before you put it on mm-hmm. your child? Yep. Well, that was my lesson because I spent so much time Helping this orphanage that um, I didn't I didn't allocate enough time to to my work right. to the income generating activities and so I met with a massive cash flow crunch. This was actually before I started my just before I started my business. Yep. I met I was met with a massive cash flow crunch and and it was difficult and I realised I had to not work dollars for hours anymore hmm. if I was going to help an orphanage or anything like that in the future, I would need a business that would be generating income regardless of the amount of time that was not so reliant on me. And I thought to myself, well, what makes sense? And this business model emerged because it made sense. I didn't have to teach the courses all the time. I can get other people to teach the courses. And ultimately, we moved into online courses, which which um, is eminently scalable. Yeah. So, uh, so that's actually how the thought process um, went along. Fantastic. And that was started in 2008, did you say? 2006. 2006. Uh, no, 2005, sorry, oh, okay. started. Excellent. Okay, well, look, that's, that, I'd love to have you back at some other point if we could, because there's, there's much more to be talked about there. But I think the way that you um, put that focus on systems and, and, as you say, had this, I love that um, analogy you have with the little oxygen masks, is that you've got to get yourself sorted out first before you can move on to kind of support others or work with others. I think that's a, that's a great analogy to carry with us. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening. 